billions are invested in KYC processes, but the result is limited. Only 1% of money laundering is stopped. Dear listeners of The Laundry, welcome back. Today I'm joined by Louise Brown, an expert in the topic of corruption, compliance and AML. She's the director of Financial Compliance Group, FCG. We've been looking forward to this one, Louise. Welcome to The Laundry. Thank you so much for having me today. So you're a prolific voice in the fight against financial crime. And I'd like to start off by talking about criminal proceeds. From a Nordic perspective, Norway, Sweden and Denmark is very much alike, but there are quite a few differences as well. But in total, the black economy in Sweden is estimated to be about 5% of the GDP, corresponding to approximately 250 billion sec, which is obviously a lot of money. And I'm interested in understanding more of the sources of these criminal proceeds. So what's the current view on this? Where does this money come from and how are they laundered these days? I think that's a very good starting point. Um, we are right now at a tipping point, according to experts in various government bodies, uh, a tipping point because organized crime has grown over the last few years uh, in some sp- quite specific sectors, including uh, construction industry, transportation, um, recycling, a few others. Um, so there's been a process since basically 2015 going forward, where it's grown and grown and grown. Um, and now we have some segments where it would be difficult to manage without using undeclared labor, for instance. So we're talking about personnel intensive industries and you mentioned 5% of GDP mm. as the, the gray or the black or undeclared uh, economy. Um, there's another figure from the Swedish tax authorities which says that 6% of all the salaries paid out in Sweden are undeclared. So that figures from 2019, I believe, and I would assume there might be a bit more actually. That's that's quite a lot. Like that's uh, over one out of 20 paychecks that's undeclared. I wonder yes, how, really. how are they able to get away with this? Well, um, part of the root cause, if you wish, is that we're not very good at background checks in Sweden. Um, we have historically a culture of trust. And even if we have the law for public procurement and so on and so forth, um, it's quite limited. And this culture of trust makes us, uh, if not a safe haven, but an easy target. Mm. And additionally, we have issues with information sharing between the government bodies. So the tax authorities, uh, migration board, working environment agencies, and so forth, they don't share information. Meanwhile. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and and the other aspect is that we're obviously highly um, internationalized economy. Mm. So uh, labor force is moving across borders and companies are paying either in Sweden or in other countries and we don't have a a very clear picture of what is paid where and what's not paid. Interesting. And, And looking further down into the Swedish perspective predominantly on this, and the way the criminal proceeds are gained. 
how did we end up here in 2022? Why isn't this because why is this growing and not shrinking? Oh yes. Well, um again coming back to it's this what we're seeing now is a product or result of several years of lack of control, lack of insight and uh partly uh, perhaps dysfunctional regulatory environment. We're doing a lot. And part of the discussion in the financial industry is that millions are invested in KYC processes, but the result is limited. Only 1% of money laundering is stopped. Mm. So why is that? We're doing a lot of performa stuff, but it does not give the results that we need. So we've ended up here because of several years of development. And most importantly, the question for any discussion is, how can you get the step ahead of financial crime? Because they are more innovative than we are most of the time. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, one of the key uh, one of the key problems is the the KYC, so the due diligence and the background controls of these entities. Yeah. Do, do you think that we've done enough over the last few years? You mentioned there's poured billions into it, but are the billions well spent? Should they be spent on elsewhere or into different parts of the infrastructure, for example? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. Um, and perhaps we can put that into the context of where we are now with the uh, economic climate, because the cost of compliance is a headache for a lot of senior executives today. We've spent money. Has it been spent in the right place? Probably no. We can do better with the same money and get more efficient results. Um, so linking that to the tipping point, we need to take a new look at KYC. Why are we doing that? How much is getting a result? Interesting. And uh, I quickly want us to to deep dive a bit into one of the key findings of the last year from the work of journalists in Dagens Nyheter. So investigative journalists, they looked into the foreign money exchange offices and found out that, well, out of 43 offices, 34 mm. of them had either some ties into some criminal networks or had blatantly laundered money. So mm-hmm. this was a this was a big case. It sent shockwaves through the AML community in the Nordics. Tell yeah. us a bit about what happened and what the findings of this were, because I know that you've you've spoken about this previously. Yes, um, yeah, that's a very interesting example, and it sheds light on one particular niche of the financial services uh, sector: um, the foreign exchange companies. Um, in this case, as you mentioned. Um, Basically, three out of four foreign exchange companies that were investigated had ties to uh, criminal networks. So direct reaction is this has not been monitored properly by uh, the government bodies. Um, They've been able to operate quite freely uh, in contradiction with the law um, and thus been a a, a very good uh, channel to launder money. So that needs to be closed. And um, these companies, the foreign exchange offices, um, were active tools. It's not a question of being unable to identify this or the other customer, but the really systematic use of these companies. uh, That was quite uh, striking and, uh, as you said, shocking. 
Yeah, because uh, a few examples from the article were th- there were quite extreme signs that something was was going on. Uh, I can mention a few of them where a large part of the persons in charge had previous money laundering offenses. Some were yeah. even uh, some were even uh, awaiting imprisonment for this. Uh, and out of seventeen board members, uh, no, uh, from from the board members, the number was seventeen that had been replaced just over the last year. So extremely high frequency in the turnover of of board members so so yeah it's just so many of these signs that just seem so obvious so how didn't we pick up on this how didn't the fsa pick up on this yes um i can't answer that question i think a lesson learned from that is to understand what's really going on and how it's done what is the modus um so this is kind of a criminal pandora's box that was opened um and I think it's also interesting, you mentioned multiple replacement in a short time of uh, legal representatives, board directors and so forth, or being able to immediately say, hey, this person's been convicted uh, for money laundering in the past or other financial crimes. How can we detect that? In a different context, in another financial company, would you be able to detect that through normal KYC process? Are you able to identify those customers and say, hey, this is a high-risk custom? That's a question mark. So we mentioned a few examples um, of, of what should have been signals here, uh, but it seems the business model is set up so that they don't want to do the right thing. It's not been their intention from the start. Maybe you can elaborate a bit on that. Yes. And that is what I think was so striking in this case is that we have a segment of the market in Sweden that has as its business model to actively launder money. And there are vehicles, the whole company setup is a vehicle for financial crime. And uh, of course, it's quite sad to see it, but it's also good that it is revealed because the financial supervisory authority has a job to do here uh, because according to law, um, to have a license to operate, you should not have legal representatives with a criminal track record or actively criminal legal representatives. So um, it's a huge revelation, and I hope that uh, we will be able to close this door now. Absolutely. And uh, it seems like this is exactly what the, what the banks are tasked to do with their clients from the FSA. Um, yes. So then it's a fair, a fair assumption saying the FSA is not really monitoring the business entities that they are in charge of looking into themselves in the same way they, they're saying that the banks should look into in terms of the um, KYC perspective, I mean. Yes, I mean, for sure. Uh, it's a question of where the resources are allocated to, to supervise uh, financial services companies. Uh, in Sweden today. And here's a pocket which is pretty dark. It's a pocket of active criminal activities, uh, which should have been better monitored. Um, um, and if you put that in contrast to the supervision of normal banks, if I may put it that way, then it's quite stark. Mm. And that contrast is stark. Uh, the banks are doing a lot. Gigantic steps have been taken in the last few years since the scandals. Efforts are tremendous, but now we've reached a level of maturity where we need to ask ourselves, okay, these billions that have been invested, how can that be allocated in the absolutely most optimal way? Uh, 
we have two uh, competing factors here. One is uh, constantly updated regula uh, regulations and regulatory requirements. Uh, that's a watching brief right now. Um, the other one is how the market develops and how financial crime develops. Uh, um, cryptocurrencies, obviously, right now is a hot topic uh, and many other things. So it's a constant chase. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the limited resources being one key issue here as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few other ones as well, like the, the restricted data sharing. We mentioned that a bit earlier in the episode as well, as well as the, the third problem, which uh, probably is about uh, the lack of data and the lack mm -hmm. of data from, from public registers. So maybe we right. should spend a few minutes just uh, on those three and, and go through them. So limited resources as yeah. an example the the aml and compliance workers in in banks over the last yes. few years have been the like highest growing profession uh, at least here in norway and it seems like that's where most investments are made as well uh, from from the from the top uh, yes. but what can be done to make the limited resources less limited and increase competence maybe definitely uh, and uh, on this particular point, we confirm that as well. Uh, FCG uh, did a study earlier this year, which we called AML State of Play. Uh, we interviewed representatives from 10 financial uh, institutes, and we kept coming back to these questions. One is uh, closing the competence gap. You know, there's been a scramble for resources in the market for the last couple of years. From the one day to the other, organizations need to staff up. Who are they going to recruit? And someone that has been working with AML for a very short time is all of a sudden an expert. Mm. So the answer to that is awareness from the top down, uh, from the board, understanding the risk appetite, risk exposure, senior management down to um, a more um, uh, um, operational uh, um, roles in the first line. So training is the answer. Um, Having said that, though, a lot of training has been delivered and there are international organizations that are well established in this area. So why has that training not um, given more effect? Uh, it's a very interesting question, of course. So the contents of the training, is it practical enough? Uh, would we like to see kind of a driver's license for a KYC specialist in the future? Some more certifications. Uh, well, more um, hands-on mm. uh, training and understanding the operational procedures in a different way um, because it all boils down to efficient AML compliance. It's not, it's not just going through the motions and, and ticking the box. It's the, the rationale why are we doing this. Exactly, yeah. And it's interesting. If, if you have the approach of taking the box, that means all boxes need to be, be perfect. But if you have a holistic overview, then at least yes. you're able to understand from an operational perspective, how does it fit with the first and second line and how does it all need to fit together and what are the, what are the outliers that we need to look for in certain instances and so exactly. forth. Exactly. So, so maybe um, the certifications then need to be, as you mentioned, more in terms of a driver's license where you start off being very much tossed with the easy manual operational onboarding of an easy uh, business entity as an example and then you move on to the how do we set up triggers and rules and uh, systematic yeah. approaches to understand the transaction monitoring part and the more complex issues at hand 
Yes. Now, uh, that's a very good point, Frederick, uh, uh, linking that also to transaction monitoring, because there's another gap uh, that is frequently discussed because everything happens in the KYC process and understanding uh, the risk profile of individual uh, customers and risk classification, and that will have an impact on the transaction monitoring, of course. So for sure. And we know today also that false positives is a concern. It's a cost as well. Absolutely. And I think technology comes into play on that that end as well. And uh, that actually leads us to maybe the second problem or the second part of this, which uh, it's it, well, maybe not directly, but if we look at restricted data sharing, we could also yeah. look at restricted data use due to yes. the limited uh, applications that AI and machine learning, as an example, could provide to help yeah. aid with uh, reducing false positives. But if we start off with... Um, restricted data sharing. There's often a trade-off between uh, being AML compliant and ha- the data privacy issues at hand because you can't just share any type of data even inside your own company uh, regarding right. persons, regarding companies and so forth and especially not outside of your company because, well, GDPR, shrimps to and so forth. Um, yes. But what do we do now in terms of data da- data sharing? How do we get from where we're at today to a world where we utilize the knowledge slash data and information that we have in one part of Mm. the business to help fight financial crime. Yes, definitely. Um, Availability of data and quality of data uh, is a key issue. And uh, the potential of machine learning and AI, everyone is exploring this right now. Uh, I would like to suggest going back to the basics first of all, to talk about how do you get the KYC process properly in place to generate that data. Um, In terms of the data sharing, um, I think taking a more holistic approach to financial crime prevention, organizations are able to share some data internally, and it would also help to prevent, for instance, fraud, to understand that, to, to know the customer properly. Uh, to prevent other types of financial crime. So there's some work to be done to break down the silos within organizations. And to do that, you need to understand how financial crime works a little bit better and, and, and collaborate more within the organization. Absolutely. So and the, silo, the silo issue is there. But we also talk about sharing data between organizations. Yeah. Um, and... Um, data privacy, um, privacy protection. Uh, Something is happening there right now. Broadly, in terms of a discussion between government authorities here in Sweden now, so we need to be able to share data to combat crime. Otherwise, we're an easy prey. Yep. That's one point. The other one is that I would like to highlight is a um, decision just recently by the Swedish Authority for Privacy Protection. One bank applied to share data on uh, criminal records or rejected customers between its legal entities for the purpose of anti-money laundering. And the application was approved. Now, this is a watching brief for many other actors in the market because 
it allows an organization, in this case quite large, uh, to be able to combat crime much more efficiently than before. Because if one particular customer that you do not want to onboard then goes to another entity, they do the work twice, obviously. So that's a very interesting development. Absolutely. I, I really hope that it creates a new precedent uh, precedence w- within this where where we're able to share this type of information to to combat the financial crime and yeah that that's one aspect of it within organizations but what do you think in terms of the data sharing between the regulatory governments uh, yeah. government bodies and the yeah. private sector uh it has to be done i mean let us go back to where we started this conversation how <laughs> how are criminal proceeds generated the use of illegal labor undeclared incomes um you know all that there is no other way i mean you could do it but it's extremely cumbersome but so long as tax authorities are not able to share data with other government bodies such as the migration board and so on it's really a sisyphus type of work you know this old saying that you're pushing this big piece uphill and it keeps falling down on you absolutely yeah you 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 turn your back for a second and you get rolled over by the big uh, by the big uh, rock <laughs> that's it perfect um all right so the the final point is the lack of data quality uh and especially yes. maybe for from from public registers we see this in a lot of countries it's a known issue that one register is not enough uh and there's been pointed critique to very specific ones in in this case as uh, in the case at hand so i wonder what what's your take on this how do you think that we should operate to yeah make these uh make make the registers better or utilize the different registers in a better way i think both actually uh for instance uh records on uh unique beneficiary owners of companies um in sweden is quite poor a lot share is outstanding uh the information is never submitted so there are loopholes we we uh, were yeah sorry yeah so, so that's one part i mean actually uh generating the data to begin with and that's a political decision yeah those government bodies need to be mandated to do this and to follow up that's that's quite crucial but then with the data at hand then obviously to share and we believe firmly that we need to work together we need to share data also between the public and the private sector and have more discussions around this i think actually going back to basics and understanding where are the challenges right now and understanding what's going on in the different markets uh because financial crime is international and we need to understand how all that fits together So as I mentioned uh we like to actively participate in these discussions uh we regularly arrange talks with external experts we have built a whole platform for information sharing through FCG global um you know with uh, experts on terrorist financing here in Sweden or with management uh experts uh in the US and so forth there's a whole host of information to be shared um but i would also like to mention more from the nordic perspective uh we assessed the swedish market and challenges within aml earlier this year 
uh, we've done it with Denmark now, and we're going to do it with Norway as well. And I think that could be a quite healthy just check on where are things at. Mm. And I look forward to sharing that uh, uh, information as we go forward. And I think that can also help some of the Nordic operators uh, to to progress. Absolutely. It should be a Nordic approach on this. It shouldn't be uh, isolated where where Sweden Sweden, uh, fights their their battle and and Denmark their battle and Norway their battle. It should be uh, joint forces to combat it. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining the laundry. It was extremely interesting talking to you and I hope that you'll join another time as well. Thank you so much, Frederick. Thank you. Your money make a world go round.